Welcome back to the Black Valor Podcast with Jamie and Parks. I'm your host for today, and I will be bringing you an episode in honor of Women's History Month. So our topic for discussion is Specialist Shoshana Johnson. You may remember she was the first African-American woman captured as a POW during the uh, Iraqi War. I'm going to be giving her background and telling you a little bit about uh, what she's up to now. If you don't remember, the second Iraq war began on 20 March 2003. So Shauna Johnson was part of the 507th Maintenance Company. They were stationed in Fort Bliss, Texas, and she was part of a 600 vehicle convoy that was traveling across Iraq to support the combat troops. The 507th was in the rear of the convoy, and their primary job was to get stuck or broken vehicles moving again by pulling them out of sand most of the times to get them on their way. Well, during the conflict, the 507th fell way behind, up to 12 hours behind the other vehicles in the convoy because there were so many vehicles that were getting stuck and bogged down in the sand. They were part of 18 vehicles that were left of the 600 that went forward to battle. Out of this 18-vehicle convoy, there were approximately 33 soldiers that were separated from the main body of the force moving across Iraq. The Army had placed traffic control points along the route that the convoy was traveling, and they got so far behind that when they got to these locations, the traffic control points were gone. So they were completely forgotten and cut off from the rest of the convoy that was moving out. They had also no security elements because the traffic control points would have provided that. So these are effectively a maintenance company that is on their own in hostile territory. Specialist Johnson was actually one of three women with the 507th that also included Specialist Lori Pistua. She was the first Native American female in the U.S. military to die in combat, and Private Jessica Lynch, who got some fame and later uh, notoriety, not of her own intention, because of the Army and situations surrounding event I'm discussing. But the convoy was driving for three days before they got lost in the town of Nazaria. Now they have pretty tight quarters for these huge trucks to pass through. They got lost in there, and so they had to actually double back and go through the town again. At this time, that gave a chance for the Fedayeen, which are Iraqi soldiers that were loyal to Saddam Hussein, but they weren't government soldiers. They were not part of the government, more like a militia group. It may not have actually been the Fedayeen, but that was generally what was understood to be the content of this group. They were made up of Fedayeen fighters. The Fedayeen had set up an ambush, for these vehicles that were moving through, they put a dump truck in, out in the middle of the road. All the other vehicles were able to get around it with Specialist Johnson's group. They were near the end, and they weren't able to get through on time before the dump truck blocked the road, so they were cut off from everyone else. Once the Fedayeen initiated the ambush, they launched rocket-propelled grenades, heavy machine guns, and just regular uh, small arms fire at the group. The fight lasted approximately 90 minutes, which is not 
in keeping with what was said initially, most people were given to believe that the engagement lasted approximately 15 minutes or so. But according to Specialist Johnson, it was a much more protracted engagement. Johnson shot at one of the enemy before her weapon jammed. And this was important because they were out there in the desert with the high heat, but their instructions before they headed out on the convoy was wrap their magazines with duct tape. And inevitably, the duct tape gummed up the mechanisms for the bullets <laughs> going through the gun, and it jammed. So that's why she was only able to get one shot. She just barely missed one of the Iraqis. Her gun got jammed. The other people responded with uh, heavy machine guns on the truck. Two people were injured right away. That would be Jessica Lynch. And actually, this is when Specialist Pistula was killed when an RPG hit her truck. Johnson dove under the truck after she got her shot off in the weapon jam. She passed her rifle to Sergeant James Riley, who was the highest ranking person, because his rifle had malfunctioned as well, but he was able to get it uh, fixed. And this is after Sergeant Johnson took a bullet that went through both of her legs. It was one bullet, but it passed through both of her legs. So Sergeant Riley eventually surrendered first out of the group. Sergeant Johnson refused. She didn't really have a chance to because a Fedayeen fighter pulled her out from underneath the truck by her injured legs. And when all was said and done, the Iraqis had killed 11 soldiers and they took six prisoners. As I mentioned, Lori Pastua was killed by the RPG hit. Jessica Lynch was actually knocked unconscious in that same blast. During this engagement, she was not awake. She was knocked out. So later on, the Army made up a story about Private Lynch going Rambo. and She was the poster child of this uh, group of uh, cut-off soldiers. As we find, most of what was said about her and about the engagement was false, actually. Specialist Johnson and the remaining members of her team were now POWs. Once they pulled her out from under the truck, they get POWs together, and uh, she and along with them were kicked and hit with rifle butts. They were then carried from various locations. Specialist Johnson was then the first black female prisoner of war. She recounted some of the excruciating events that went on, mainly from her injuries from the fight with the rough treatment of her legs when she had the bullet wounds, but also there was psychological torture. She talks about one of the guards had actually grabbed her breast and squeezed really hard while another had threatened to marry her off to an Iraqi. And this was something that was always a concern with having women in combat for the United States, whereas other countries do it as a matter of routine. It was a big deal for Americans to allow women. And it was mainly because of that. they worried about the extra violence that could be perpetrated upon them as females. He doesn't remember specifically being raped or anything like that, but she did have issues with intimacy later on. But at the same time, she was also in so much pain, she was pretty much out of it that first day after they were captured. The Iraqis shuttled the OWs around a lot because they obviously didn't want the attention 
of the Americans who were looking for them, they eventually wound up in Baghdad. Unfortunately for them, they arrived at Baghdad as the Americans had begun bombing the city. And in their transport, they were actually dodging bombs to get to the different safe houses they were going to. It was good, though, for them because the, the torture and beatings that they had received from the militia, which are not trained fighters in the sense of a government soldier would be, they had less control, so to speak, but turned them over to more official people in Baghdad, and so that's why the torture and beatings had stopped. And they were actually allowed to meet with Red Crescent representatives who provided aid to them. Iraqi doctors also were provided to help the POWs. The doctors discovered that Johnson had a severed Achilles tendon in her right leg and a broken bone in the left leg, along with other open wounds that had been left untreated for quite a while. Eventually, the POWs were moved again. They were sent to Samara, which is a town 70 miles north of Baghdad and they were placed under guard by police officers who were much, much kinder than their previous captors who were military. So the policemen treated them well, gave them food that was better than what they had been receiving, and just were kind. They were held captive there for a while until April 13th. This is when the Marines in the 3rd Light Armor Reconnaissance Battalion found out about the prisoners when they arrived in Samara. Some of the Iraqis had informed them that there were Americans being held. They gave them a house number, and then the Marines went looking door-to-door -door until they could figure out which house it was. Thankfully, one of the prisoners who was with them was actually a helicopter pilot who could get their attention from a, a roof or from a balcony, and then they were able to go in and free them. The guards who were watching them at the time wanted to be <laughs> taken by the Americans, so there was no resistance or anything like that. They were willing to surrender to the Americans to have everything done. The POWs were held for 22 days by the Iraqis. This ended the most traumatizing portion of the experience for Specialist Johnson, but it was not the end. She had months and actually years of rehabilitation. More immediate concerns started to crop up once she and other POWs returned home to Fort Bliss. She had also, along with the pain from her injuries, began to suffer from um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And oddly enough, she and the other POWs began to face resentment by fellow soldiers because of the special attention they had been receiving. So this is where the spin machine kicked in because Jessica Lynch had been returned in nine days, whereas the rest of the POWs who were separated from her were held for 22 days. The Army had built her up so much. When these people came back, it started to poke holes in the story that they had crafted. There was even some tension trying to say that there was animosity between Lynch and Johnson, which Johnson states categorically was not true. There, there was nothing there. It was all manufactured. They did receive some special treatment. They were flown around the country to different events. They gave speeches. They were able to go to dinners and games and things that the other soldiers were not. And some would remark, we were over there. We fought. 
why are you getting special treatment? There were some incidents she reported that once a colonel had complained that she was invited to attend a function for high-ranking officers and their wives, and here she was just a specialist going, and he's a colonel, and I guess he didn't get an invite. So the rumors that went around were that the POWs were actually responsible for their own capture because they were cowardly and did not fight. And this is where the falsehood that they were only fighting for 15 minutes or so before they got captured when, in fact, it was more prolonged or protracted than that. Not to mention the fact that their commanders had had them go out there with weapons that were predisposed to jamming because of the tape that was wrapped around the magazines, which is hard to fight if your gun's not going to shoot. This painted the POWs as persona non grata with those soldiers that were there with them at Fort Bliss. It got so bad that at one point, a sergeant had actually accused Johnson of fraud, saying that her daughter was not staying with her. She was staying with family, so she should have been a single person's quarters and not in a house. Nothing came of it, but it did sour Johnson's experience with the Army, and she decided that at that point that she had had enough and it was best to move on. She had more problems after this. She was only given 30% disability until Lori Pastua's family actually got involved and helped her to appeal the VA's decision. The main contention with the VA was that they did not recognize her PTSD condition. It took the Army two years to recognize that she suffered from PTSD, and she was able eventually to get a 40% Army disability and a 100% VA disability. After she left the service, Shoshana Johnson continued to go through therapy for her physical ailments and also for PTSD, going to see a counselor. She talked with the other POWs. They met regularly to share their experiences, which also helped. And she went on to get an associate's degree and attend culinary school. And also for a time, she served on the Department of Veterans Affairs Minority Affairs Board. She went for years trying to just get on with her life and not really think much about what happened uh, aside from when it just forced itself on her and say dreams and things like that and remembrances of what she went through until someone came to her and they said, look, you really need to talk about what occurred, get your feelings out there and express what it's like to be a woman, to be in the military, uh, be a minority that fits all those descriptions and serve. So she joined with someone to write a book about it, which came out in 2010, titled I'm Still Standing, From Captive to a Soldier to Free Citizen, My Journey Home. Before that, though, she did not do anything and monetize her situation or uh, to profit from it in that way. That is the story of Special Shoshana Johnson, who was the first African-American female captive of POW during the second Gulf War. If you would like to look into this topic more, I have my sources here. One is the book I mentioned, I'm Still Standing, by Shoshana Johnson and M.L. Doyle. There's also a few articles, uh, Life as First African-American Female POW, 
and the capture of first African-American female POW. Those are both on the uh, Army's news website. Ex-POW Shoshana Johnson, harassment over star status forced her to quit Army. And that's an article on at ABC News. Uh, first black female POW sets the record straight, which was an article from the Today website. And... Former Iraq POW still haunted by ambush. And that's an article on military.com. As always, if you want to leave your comments, please go to the website, www.blackvalor.net. You can leave messages on the forums. Or if there's new topics you would like to see covered, you can put those there as well. Also, you can email me at blackvalor1010 at gmail.com. Or find me on Twitter at BlackValor1010. And on Facebook, it's just BlackValor. So thank you, and I will see you in a few weeks.